Some children are more successful than others. Research has shown that this is usually because of the choices their parents have made for them, whether they were intentional or not. Parents can affect their child's development in many ways, but there are three that stand out as being the most significant. One, by using different forms of discipline. Two, modeling behaviors they want to see in their children. And lastly, providing them with unconditional love. These methods have shown that they'll help you raise a successful child who will be able to achieve great things no matter what challenges life throws at them. Parents are the first people who provide love and care for their children. During early childhood, parents become their child's closest relationship partner. They help them to establish feelings of trust, security, and attachment. When it comes to later years in life, these early relationships continue to affect the teen's sense of self-esteem and how they see others and themselves. What happens, though, when the role of the parent is altered in a way that makes raising a child even more challenging than it already is? This week, we take a look at how to answer that question as our storyteller shares what it was like having not one, but both parents having mental disabilities. From Fragile Moments and Not Today Media, I'm your host, JD, and this is story number 55 of the What's Your Story podcast. John. Well, uh, thanks for having me today. Yeah. Uh, my name's John Matthews, and found you on Twitter, where uh, I've been kind of expressing about my life and kind of finding some resources, been looking for some self-improvement, some working on things over the last couple years. John was born into a very unlikely situation of both parents having mental disabilities. His dad has a learning disability due to a high fever sustained over several weeks when he was four years old that nearly killed him. His mom is mentally ill with paranoid schizophrenia. After several attempts of her trying to harm herself and John as an infant and young child, his dad had her committed to a mental hospital when John was about five years old. Now that John is in his mid-40s, he's been doing a lot of reflection on how his situation as a child, has shaped his life and how he views the world. Let's take a listen to John's story. I've been having some struggles and doing some inner looking within and actually seeking some professional help. I realized maybe a lot of some issues and struggles I've been having in life was tied to a very unfortunate and really nobody's fault, but a very traumatic childhood and uh, kind of some scars and some things that happened in my childhood are just kind of presenting in my early 40s now with some medical issues and just issues around anxiety and those types of things. And uh, like I said, looking, looking from within it, I think a lot of that has, has me kind of looking back to maybe my formative years and uh, just trying to learn how to cope with that and move on and try and... Um, and I think doing things like today are, are starting to help me yeah. maybe realize some of these things. And uh, I think sharing and, you know, facing some of this is kind of helping me as well. So that's, that's kind of why I'm here today. Perfect. 
Perfect. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm, I'm obviously here. I, here I am sitting talking, you know, on a podcast about that, but I think what people forget when it comes to the, you know, the healing powered story is that it's not, it's not that you have to say everything. It's not that, you know, every bit of your story needs to be heard, but you know, the parts that you are sharing, at least you're being authentic to yourself, you know, sure. you're not, yeah. you're not, you know, sugarcoating it or brushing it off. And it's like, okay, if I really am choosing to say this part of my story out loud, yeah, this is a real thing. And, so and I think that might be some of the issue. You know, I kept this bottled up for, for you know, only my real close circle of people really know yeah. about this about me. And I think, you know, it's been, you know, 20 some, 30 some years of just having that bottled up may have led to some of it as well. Yeah. So can we walk back then and, and really just kind of, Maybe start with, you know, how it all, you talk about formative years and here I sit with a three-year-old and a one-year-old and amazed by the things that they know and see. And I'm like, you're, they're, they're going to remember that. But then at the same time, it's like, they don't, they don't remember a lot of things. So, it, you know, it's like kind of this mixed bag of like formative and a lot of those formative things are just not something that you see sure. uh, really make an impact until later. So what have you... Yeah. What have you I uncovered? Mean, I, and I guess we'll to, just start to, to, you know, it really just wasn't one parent. It was both parents. Now, my dad's still in my life. And, you know, but unfortunately, he had a learning disability. He had a sickness when he was about four years old, uh, had a high fever for several weeks, was in a hospital for over a month. He nearly died at four years old. I wouldn't have even been here, you know, obviously. Yeah. Thankfully, he pulled through, but he did come out of that. With a learning disability, it's kind of even altered his physical, like he's, he's real short in stature. And unfortunately, it was just a really life altering and changing yeah. event for him at four years old. So, but, so he actually went through special, he did get a, a high school degree, but it was kind of limited and he was going to school in the fifties. So my grandparents actually helped kind yeah. of establish a special education program in that school district. Yeah. But, uh, so that's part of the story. Yeah. He was himself like a learning, had a learning disability. So when he met my mom, you know, in a, in a different circumstance, maybe a, a typical man probably wouldn't have maybe got with my mom because my mom had schizophrenia. She was uh, mentally ill. She had paranoia schizophrenia. And, you know, I look back on it and I look back at my grand, well, at that point, my grandfather had died. So it was just my grandmother. And, you know, I, I think a, a lot of those in my dad's life were, were, trying to have him not get into that situation but yeah you know he did and again maybe he didn't see the signs as as much as you know the rest of the family that kind of were, you know were a little more with it I'm, i don't mean to put it that way but no, no, yeah. with his learning disability maybe he just when he first fell in love with her he just didn't see it as much as and the yeah. others uh, but i mean i'm here you know <laughs> and that's what you know that's <laughs> what ended up happening but you know, I heard a lot of stories about my having violent episodes when I was an infant and even into my toddler years, things that luckily I don't remember or saw, but there were times that she did, you know, do some things that could have really affected her, well, all of us, my dad, me, myself, violent episodes and it just delusions and just unfortunately some uh, really bad situations. But as I got to about four and then five years old, I do remember a couple situations, but it was that around that age, about five years old is when my dad worked with lawyers and, and health advocates and, and he did have her institutionalized into a, a mental hospital. 
True. So as you hear all these things, and again, I go back to just my own child that, you know, what they do and don't remember. And, you know, sometimes I'm astonished that it's like, well, hold on, like, you were two when that happened. Like, how did you, you know, you really did remember that. It's amazing. But then you hear stories like this, where it's like, you know, you don't remember that. What does that do for you now? As you, you know, you hear the stories or as you, you know, even shortly thereafter, as things became like clear, not even like 20, 30 years later, but what does that, what does that do for just your own, you know, state of mind? Yeah. Um, I mean, that's what's tough is, you know, hearing those things because, because kind of actually a woman that was my mom's kind of best friend. And basically it sounds like she was my guardian angel. She actually reached out back to my dad and my stepmom and, you know, some things got dug up there that I didn't even, I had never even heard here. I'm 43 years old hearing how kind of this woman saved my life a couple of times. My, my mom kind of, I guess, went off and, and tried to set the kitchen cabinets on fire. And I was like two years old and this woman kind of put it out. I mean, just crazy stuff. Yeah. I had no idea, you know, and here I am, you know, like I said, in my mid forties, you know, just finding out these Hearing things, that. like I had this guardian angel, you know, yeah. <laughs> really. Does but, it uh, like, I don't want to use the word alter, but it's the best, best that I've got at the moment. Is it kind of like maybe skew? Does it skew your, your, you know, frame of mind of like how you see your mother, saw your mother? Um, well, and well, that's another it, part of the, the go, story okay. I didn't even yeah. get a ch- chance to touch on, but you know, it's actually kind of sad. I've had no communication with her since I'm about 19. Unfortunately, that, that mental institution was downsizing. So they released her. I'll never forget this. I was on break from, I was in college at the time and I came home and I forget how the communication went down, but I just remember calling and they wouldn't give me the way HIPAA, I guess at that point, HIPAA was already passed. And she would, she had to initiate the transfer of information. I, right. Me calling, they just wouldn't give me, they would for, her forwarding address, sure. her number. So I literally lost all touch. I've wow. had all, no contact with my biological mom since I, I'm now 43. So yeah, we're looking 24 years. Yeah. I, and no, you know, no clue where she is or no, she's alive and, and nobody? That's part of the story too. And, and you know, wow. deep down I'm, I'm hurting inside because, you know, sure. I do, I go through these periods where I try everything. I've even reached out to now I hear and think she's still in that, that area. It's, it's still the same city. My dad lives. Now I grew up, I, in my, after college, I moved about four or five hours away from where I grew up. My dad and stepmom still live in this city. And I'm assuming my biological mom still lives there as well. Amazing. I mean, not like an amazing, like, wow, but it's just like, how does that, Yeah. how does that happen? And then at the same token, you know, not that you're supposed to, come out the same way but you know if you just saw that on paper and be like yeah that that child has got to have some issues and a rough life but i mean it sounds like you somehow like i don't want to say forgot it but it was just pieced together in a way for you that you know you were able to kind of you know go about your life yeah be able to look back at it versus like i've had a rough life and then something traumatic happened to you to make you go back you were able to kind of do that just on your own terms and that's i feel like unique and rare yeah i i feel like my you know <laughs> my life has been seasons of good and bad you know sure. you know i i really i i, I excelled in high school I, I graduated in my top 10 you know i really focused on academics i, I don't know how that ended up coming about <laughs> but like that's what i did you know i, I did well in college and unfortunately my what i went to college for and and what i started as a career 
I ended up changing. And I feel in life where I have struggled is my career. Like that's one big area. I just feel frustrated with what I chose and, and how it all worked out. But, but, you know, from outsider's view, yeah, I, I've actually, you know, and I've, I've, st- you know, I've always been employed and I've been yeah. in a quote professional setting, but yeah. to me, it's not, hasn't worked out exactly how I wanted, but you know, from, sure. from an outsider's perspective, your perspective, you're right. You, you know, looking at yeah. how I grew up, it There's seems no kind of amazing okay. that I, <laughs> you know, that I've ended up getting a college degree and I've worked in, you know, a business setting now for 20, 25 years. Yeah. Yeah. This podcast is proudly sponsored by BetterHelp. Therapy is something that should be taken seriously. And while this may be another sponsored ad, my relationship with BetterHelp is personal because for the past year, I've been using BetterHelp to gain my own mental clarity. I can sit here all day and tell you to seek help, but the truth is we're in this together. In the end, without a healthy mind, being truly happy and at peace is hard. The good news is therapy works. What is therapy exactly? Well, it's whatever you want it to be. Maybe you're not feeling motivated right now and would like some tools to help. Or maybe you're feeling insecure in relationships or simply not dealing with stress very well. Whatever you need, it's time to stop being ashamed or scared of normal human struggles and start feeling better because you deserve to be happy. And now you don't have to worry about finding an in-person therapist near you to help. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist. So you don't even have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. Join the millions of people, myself included, who are seeing what online therapy is really about. It's, it's always a good time to invest in yourself because you're your greatest asset. As a special offer to listeners, you can get 10% off your first month of professional therapy at betterhelp.com slash fragile moments. That's betterhelp.com slash fragile moments. And remember, just because you need help doesn't mean you're not worth helping. Let's continue with the rest of John's story. Looking back then, you know, is, and, you know, what kind of stories does your, your dad share? Does that just not something, is it kind of, do, can you see it in his, you know, the, his life that he's just kind of, it was one of those moments that he's just like, I, I don't know what happened. I don't know where she went and, and what, you know, yeah, what, I, what went on. I think on, there's but, some of that, you know, and I feel, and that's why I try and preface it. Like, you know, it was nobody's fault. It was just, yeah. and I don't, I don't play a blame game. I don't, you know, I don't have yeah. those feelings of like, of that. I blame anybody. You know, it, yeah. it's just, it was just a really unfortunate situation, how it all yeah. played out. And uh, yeah, all I, I know he feels, I, I wouldn't say regret, but maybe I'm not sure what the right word is, but, yeah. um, but you know, he was always there for me and, and, and I do, I, you know, considering, you know, and I say like, you know, here he was dealing with, you know, he was not given a full deck, you know, he was given, yeah. uh, you know, and how he persevered through all that, you know, it's, it's, it's amazing. You know, I say that all the time, you know, me and my wife, we, you know, we, we, I feel black, you know, we're, we're raising our son and I feel, you know, raising a child is hard yeah. when you're both quote normal and, normal. and we have good circumstances. And yeah. you know, my dad, during that time, we did struggle financially. 
because you know with his lack of he's you know he did it janitorial work and those type of things but it, and in the, that time from the 80s things were tough at times yeah. And yeah there were times he was unemployed and yeah you know i you know yeah. i say i grew up poor because i you know i did and you know i look back but you know what he did for you know everything Killing he faced yeah. i i call him my hero you know i look yeah. back and you know how i we all got through that and then when he met my stepmom and my stepmom really has been another saving grace in my life you know i i really look back and i you know i always say things really improved throughout my teenage years and and that's why i said like i really started to yeah. do well academically socially you know that was a thing during elementary i, I felt like i because you know kids talked and they heard about my family situation yeah. so i was kind of the outcast in elementary school i didn't have friends you know like you know the clothes the 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 chaotic family life i really was i just i didn't have friends i was picked on but you know and that's why i say my life has had seasons of of good yeah. and bad you know the the elementary years were really hard things got a lot better for me than in high school and i thought i did well in college, big circle of friends, but then then I struggled when I got my first job. I moved to a city. I didn't know anybody, so yeah. I just feel like my life keeps going in these good and bad, good bad yeah. cycles. And you know, f and that's why, unfortunately, I just feel like I don't know why this all came out. But you know, I I was in a, a better situation than in my thirties. I have my son, but then after COVID, you know, I've been dealing then with anxiety, a digestive issue. And that's why I yeah. just feel like my life got back into one of these bad cycles. Yeah. But <laughs> that's, so as it's you start to un unravel it then and like, you know, see the pieces that, you know, were there all along. Like, do you feel like you're somehow your mind was protecting you? Like, don't, you're not going to hear this right now. Like you're not ready for it. Or it really was just a case of like, this was that moment in my life and I was really young and then I moved kind of past it. Um, yeah, you how know, do you, how do you see it now that you're later yeah, on I in mean, life, like discovering? Um, yeah, I I started with in therapy. I actually I was in the in the summer, and that's kind of something that we touched on. And you know, I don't understand like why maybe some of this stuff was repressed for so long, and then yeah, all I I just don't, and I you know I don't have any schooling in this, and something like how does something like, uh, and there's another layer that I I didn't bring up, but uh, and it could be why some of it came out but you know i feel i truly was an alcoholic starting in those college years 18 19 20s when yeah. i started drinking and for me the party just never ended you know through my 20s and then into my 30s here now i wasn't one to go out i was at you know at home yeah you know but i was drinking way too much and i pretty much just quit cold turkey here five years i'm sober now five years so to me that's another key piece of it where i think yeah. for a lot of years 15, 20 years, I was probably just, I was just, it was drowned. Numbing it. It was yeah. drowned in alcohol that, yeah. you know, I just wasn't facing it or, you know, and it's not something I think about all the time, but, you know, I think sure. maybe that's just part of getting sober. Some of it was just the timing and just starting to come back, you know, some of yeah. it. So as you begin to kind of put it together and like, you know, heal from it, like you know, now that you feel that you're ready to, is part of that really trying to figure out, you know, where, what happened with your mom and where she is or is it just not something that you feel is necessary now or ever to put a you know well, a, book yeah, into a, lot, it? a lot of what's driving that you know i'd love you know obviously i want to talk to her i want to you know at least talk to her and you know i want to tell her she has a grandson you know that's really yeah. been driving a lot of it but you know i outside of hiring a pi i, I really don't know what else to do it's it's just frustrating 
you know, I actually, my, my stepmom works in the medical field and she, she gave me some numbers to try like with mental health services in that city. But, you know, I just keep hitting brick walls. And like I said, I even have some people on the inside and I, I and, you know, it's not like, she, and she wants, you know, she, my stepmom wants me to find her and talk. It was always yeah. that way. She never wanted to keep me hidden or separated from her. Yeah. And yeah, <laughs> so yeah, it, it's something I, I still want to try and continue yeah. and. I'm not going to give up, but it, it's just been hard. Do you feel it's a necessary piece, though? Like, if that never happened, you'd just, like, you'd always feel like well, there's never closure? Or then do you I feel, feel like, like it's you know, like, if it happens, it I do happens, feel things, what's meant to be is meant to be. And yeah. But, yeah, you know, then there's that other side of me, like, what if I do? And then she's even so much worse. You know, I always have that side. Sure. Like, she doesn't even know me. Like, how yeah. am I going to feel or react to that? I yeah, I, I, you know, yeah, I think absolutely. about, you know, all the different you know, possibilities, but, uh, you know, it wouldn't be anything in person right away, you know, cause I mean, sure. like I said, even 11, 10, 11 years old, you know, she had violent outbursts when, cause it was basically like once a month, my dad would take me up and we would visit her at the mental hospital, but she did just, my dad would always call it going off or just have like a psychotic outburst. Yeah. I mean, she, one time I'll never forget, she picked up a chair and threw it at my dad. Like, and these are things, scarring things, you know, Stop, nine, yeah. 10 years old sure. uh, moments I remember, but yeah. Uh, yeah, but yeah, honestly, I, you know, I, I don't know if I would, if it would even be safe for at least in, yeah. in person until I know where she's What's at. Going on? And I hate to say it, but it, like, I've even sc tried to scour the obituaries because I just, I don't know. You don't I know. Mean, yeah. She could not, she could be already gone and I wouldn't even know it. So as you, you know look back now and is i mean again i hate to say like it, you know what you saw and what you see on paper like this kid should not be you know okay uh, you know like we should we should find him like as a delinquent uh, you know it's unfortunately what society would look at it if you had to to take a guess in a very unprofessional opinion what do you think is the reason for that what do you what do you think is the is the purpose that you were given to to be able to walk away from a situation where you could very easily just have been like, yep, I'm just as messed up. And here's the reason you can't, you can't tell me otherwise. Like I have a legitimate yeah. reason. Why, why, why do you think that is? I don't know. I've just always had this like burning desire to learn. And you know, that's what I, yeah, I don't know. I turned to academics <laughs> rather than like, you know, at that in the, in the teenage yeah. years, you know, I just put my nose to the grindstone and, you know, I, I was always just driven. I was always working. Yeah. That was another thing. Like when my dad was seven years, when I was seven, he's, he had a weekend job where he would clean offices and I started working when I was seven years old. So work is all I know. Work and study is basically yeah. all, it's just how it worked out for me. Like I said, I, I did get into the, you know, the drinking side, but yeah. I was always functioning, you know, cause to me, I've just always been driven by career and like, you know, I don't know. But yeah, I mean, luckily that's, that's the way I went, but, uh, and I think maybe that's some of my, you know, right now I'm frustrated where I am in my career. I feel like I should be further along than I am mm. because I have this drive, but again, the way things have worked out, my career hasn't worked exactly the way I want it either. So, mm. but yeah, yeah. I, I don't know other than, you know, I just have always kind of just been very inquisitive and just always wanted to learn and do better. You know, I. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm glad you have that drive, and I'm glad your story found your way here, John. Yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
What's Your Story is hosted, produced, and edited by me, JD. Stories like these are hard to share, so I want to thank John for choosing to do so and allowing us to connect to his story, all in an effort to grow and heal. The Storyteller Project produces an audience-supported publication with this stellar podcast, stories that connect and heal us as human beings, and well-researched articles on challenging but crucial mental health topics. If you love our work, please decide to join our community of curious minds and venture into a broader realm of human connectedness. You can head on over to fragilemoments.substack.com to learn more about this storytelling project. If there's something that resonated with you in today's episode, please let me know by sending me an email at jd at fragilemoments.org. Or you can simply tag at storysharingpod on Instagram and threads. Thanks for choosing to listen. And I look forward to hearing your story one day because we all have within us a story to tell, a song yet unsung.